also thank you guys for taking the time to talk. I really appreciate you doing this. And I, Nikkei, I'm not going to ignore you. I promise. That's all right. I'm, I'm just <laughs> sitting here <laughs> drinking my coffee. I got to ask you, so what are you guys doing to uh, survive with this whole virus thing? I mean, are you guys kind of stuck at home? And if so, what are you guys doing to entertain yourselves? Well, we have no shortage of entertainment. We'll never get bored. And it's also, it's pretty, as of now, it's pretty similar to what it usually is in our house out here. Yeah, because when we're not on tour, um, we do the exact same thing that we do now. So, And we kind of live outside of the city. It's almost countryside-like. Uh-huh. And here, it's not much different, you know, from usual. I tell people the same thing. It's like, I, you know, I generally don't really like people to begin with or going out a whole lot. You know, so exactly. like, totally. I, I, I enjoy having an, an excuse to just stay in my basement and just play my guitars and hang out with our new dog and, you know, just do some fun stuff. So I've been trying to do as many interviews as I can because it's nice to hear other people's voices, you know, when I, you know, instead of listening to my own. I know my wife's getting tired of hearing me, you know, so it's kind of nice, you know. Well, I think the only, like, there's obviously a financial problem, but that doesn't hit as yet, you know. I mean, we have canceled tours and shows, mm-hmm. but as of now, it, it doesn't really affect us. It, it'll be a little further on. Well, the thing is, well, they're actually not canceled, they're postponed. So yeah, it just well. means that um, we have to reorganize. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just more work for us, really. Uh, more work, but no income. <laughs> yeah, or, or like a later income. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've, I've talked with, you know, a few bands, you know, that, that I'm friends with, you know, like uh, Jonathan from Graveyard and uh, the Cadaver guys. And, you know, they were talking about how they kind of, got a little lucky because they were just winding down from their tour cycles to start going into the studio and whatnot. But the touring bands really seem to be hit hard. Um, Another thing I noticed is a lot of bands are doing like these like virtual concerts. I don't know if you've seen those, you know, where they just kind of do shows. Like, have you guys thought about grouping up and doing something like that? Well, not for money. I mean, we've seen that some bands have these streaming things where they can actually have like a paying audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about doing maybe like a few acoustic versions of Lucifer songs, but for free, Um, because we think that we are not the only ones that are suffering. You know, there's a lot of people not only in the music industry that are losing income. So... Mm -hmm. We're not asking for financial support because I guess everybody is kind of in the shits. A lot of people are. Um, so I think it's just um, maybe, you know, you can just make use of the time and, and you know, people have time to listen to music and maybe more so than usually. Yeah, I totally is- agree because I've been I've been really kind of using this time to dive in a little deeper and you know trying to listen to some bands that i may have overlooked or even kind of going back into the past and revisiting some you know more classic bands you know like you know dust and you know mabelitz and leafhound and bands like that you know that like i only heard in passing but i was like yeah this is a good opportunity for me to kind of absorb some you know new music 
Yeah. Yeah. Which which Dust album do you like best? Yeah, what's going to happen? Actually, to be honest, a friend of mine just kind of made me a Dust playlist on Spotify and um and he said, you know, just give give some different songs a listen. So I've really been enjoying, you know, just just, you know, hearing some different stuff because yeah. do, do you have a song on there called Pull Away? That's a really good one. Yes, actually I do. Yeah. Um And actually, now that I'm looking at the album, it, it was, uh, I think it's a, the debut album is what I really like. Um, uh, is that the blue one? Or the no, one I think the that's the, the one with the skeletons. Yeah. I think it's the debut album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the one with the skeletons on it. Uh, it's got um, uh, Going I, Easy. I the one with the dwarfs. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like, just, just kind of listening, like you said, to new music. So uh, have you guys had that opportunity to kind of do the same thing for yourselves like what are you guys listening to while we listen to music but we we actually been kind of busy with all the rescheduling and the artwork so, yeah and then we have to do like a million interviews right now yeah so we actually <laughs> we so far we haven't you know no, nothing out of the ordinary i mean we always listen to um you know old crap mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, was but, just, but, you, but we are always happy about you know new suggestions, new stuff that's maybe not uh, that's maybe a little bit more nerdy and not so known. Yeah. So shoot it all way. Dolph just sent me a text with a song by Golden Earring, and he just wrote, "Have you heard this?" And What I, is it called? I don't know. I, I kind of just got it. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I guess people do that. Which, I like that. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes, I will. I'll th- do you guys use Spotify to listen to music or anything like that? Yeah, totally. Okay, so I'll, I'll make you guys a playlist to give you something because, you know, I'm always hearing of new, you know, different bands and new bands, especially. Yeah, you know, I think I told you, Johanna, last time we talked is that, you know, I'm really into like a lot of the Swedish bands and Finnish bands. And I don't know. It's like you guys over there seem to do music better than we do here <laughs> i don't know why it is but you guys just do it really well well we actually listen to a lot of american music <laughs> but not modern not modern though no that's true old stuff how about you send us that list and we'll send you a list with uh, not new stuff but old obscure crap I love it. Let's trade. So we can do a trade. <laughs> yeah, Actually, I have been, we have been thinking about making a kind of stay-at-home playlist for yeah. Lucifer's friends. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> nice little pun, Lucifer's friends. I like that. <laughs> I don't Lu- like to say fans that sound so self-indulgent, so I call them Lucifer's friends. Well, speaking of like your friends, you guys did a really great tour here in North America. And I mean, not only did you come once, but you came twice for this uh, cycle. Uh, well, for the uh, for the two album. And Actually, thrice. We went to the East Coast. Then we had a second tour on the West Coast. And the third one was in the South. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't count West Coast. No, I'm just kidding. No, but that's right. Because I'm over <laughs> here in the East. But uh, no, that's right. So, you know, this is probably the most you guys have been in the States. And um How how was how how like how was the tour for you in comparison to let's say touring in Europe like from a from the um, from the Lucifer's friends side you know like how does the audience kind of compare and contrast? Well, I think sometimes like you usually say, Johanna, that American audience audiences can be maybe a little bit more 
uh, open and outgoing. and outgoing and maybe showing their appreciation mm-hmm. a little bit more maybe i mean there are of course you can't general generalize it by saying europe but sometimes you know big cities like stockholm and berlin can be a little stuck up <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah i think it's a little bit of a cultural thing you know americans in general are more outgoing outspoken mm-hmm. and they are not too shy to you know come up to you and you know you feel really welcome as a band and that's awesome you know because you also kind of need that when you play live because you know if you're in front of an audience that's maybe standing there with crossed arms because they are too cool for school or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) then uh, that can make it hard for the sparks to fly you know um i i have a if i can give you an example so let's say there's a there's someone in the audience coming up to you after a show in the states mm-hmm. they i'm exaggerating now but they could say this was the best show i've ever seen in my whole life mm-hmm. which is fair but it's probably not true but, <laughs> but, uh, so you have that side and then you can can go to germany and play somewhere and this guy comes up and says i really like the show but the last time you were was much better <laughs> It's like I think that's a German thing, the backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah, you always have to bring it down a notch after saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you say that because I know from my perspective, you know, mistake. it's that yeah. I feel like Sorry? you can. I was just gonna say, from like my perspective, I feel like we can, you know, audiences from wherever you're at can get a little complacent and a little, um, I don't know, what's the word? Like, you know, sometimes we take things for granted, you know, with our own band, with our with American bands and I feel like that when bands like Lucifer uh, Jess and the Ancient Ones bands like that who come over to the States and you know Jess and the Ancient Ones has only been here once but the time they came here like I was ecstatic you know and I just couldn't you know it's like I feel like when it's bands that come over that we may not have an opportunity to see a whole lot more the American audience tend to get very excited Um, do you kind of experience that over there when American bands come over there well, it could be that that's the exotic factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, exotic. Um, you know, <laughs> I just watched that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we, too. We, we did too, of course. We loved it. <laughs> no, but I think maybe um, I feel like that a little bit when I'm playing in Germany, because I'm, I am German, obviously. Mm-hmm. My accent is heavy. <laughs> um, that people, I think people appreciate foreigners more mm-hmm. for some reason. We have that in Sweden, too. Yeah, you know, of course it's cooler when an American band comes and plays Stockholm than a Stockholm band plays Stockholm, because then it's gonna be scrutinized, you know, arms crossed, you know, okay, show us what you got, kind of thing. <laughs> Which it's it's not when it's a foreign band. That's so funny how it just kind of flip flops like that. Because I know, like the last time Graveyard toured here, I mean, you know, I, I I went to two shows to see them in Asheville and here in Atlanta, and the audience was just insane. You know, like. Like people were just ecstatic and Jonathan told me he said oh there's so much more just like calm and stand there where we're from <laughs> and I was like well they get to see you all the time though you know yeah maybe yeah, yeah maybe totally. it's a little bit of that <laughs> but that's why I love touring the states because I mean you know um, of course there's also a downside to touring the states and that's the hospitality, the hospitality and clubs yeah it's not, um, you know, when you, um, in Europe, you get spoiled a lot because the venues 
they have crazy catering backstage. Mm -hmm. You have backstage most of the time. Um, in the States, um, at all level, um, you can be very happy if you have like a little broom closet that you can change yourself in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was about to say in Atlanta, they put you in a closet with like a light bulb. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah, but that place is one of the better on oh, the last tour. <laughs> at as least far... it had a green room. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's a few times you change in the van, you know. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Yeah, that, that has, but that's always been lacking touring the States. Mm -hmm. you know? It's just a different way of, it kinda, it's kind of similar to England. They have the same thing there. You don't get much and you no, should you get two drink tickets for seven people and then a bag of crisps <laughs> that's your catering <laughs> As we had that one time when we played uh, with the helicopters in london we we sold the place out and in the backstage we actually had a green room so yeah that was good but we're five people in the band and we got four sandwiches but that was <laughs> that just showed so much <laughs> how much they care <laughs> you guys you guys had to like draw cards to see who had to split the sandwich you know yep <laughs> that's that's just crazy i know i know like at least on a local level like when my band plays you know you know sometimes we'll get you know a little green room or something but you know we have to go buy drinks from the bar you know <laughs> or, like, yeah. or we'll and get like a, we'll get like some beer backstage but it's warm you know? <laughs> yeah, lovely. You know, and sometimes you don't even get bottled water, you know, and that should be such a standard when you play, you know. Oh, that's or, a necessity when you're on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'll yeah. die of dehydration, dehydration <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you guys did the U.S. tour just recently, was there a particular show or like city that stands out to you that you said, wow, that was a really exceptional audience or a great show for you well uh, i think the i mean austin was very good wasn't it yeah austin uh, was that, great. that was really good maybe and then on the other side of the spectrum was maybe memphis memphis <laughs> memphis was the the, the worst <laughs> there was um that was the least amount of tickets sold um we what was went, it 18 it was crazy little it was uh, insane and you'd think you know memphis is such a music city we went to sun studios and we did like a tour there mm -hmm. and after the guide he told us ah, don't expect too much tonight um, there's a lot of bands living here but people don't actually go to shows oh. <laughs> and that's exactly how it was you yeah. know so I don't think we'll play Memphis again um, <laughs> unfortunately I do like Memphis <laughs> or, or we just keep trying you know <laughs> that's the uh, you know, consistency is the key Nick you know what I mean like if, maybe next time they'll be you know 22 yeah, yeah. Or maybe we, yeah, we should say that to our agent, like, put Memphis in there, and he'd be like, "Why? No, I can take it. it. I can take it. <laughs> yeah. Give us ten years. We'll be massive in Memphis. <laughs> You'll be playing the arena. I mean, you know, I mean, like, like the first time Cadaver came to Atlanta, I think there were like maybe twenty people here, and then they came back again as an opening act for Wolf Mother. And then when they played here just, um, I, I think it was just at the turn of the year, they, I mean, they packed the place out, probably like 150, 200 people, you know? And I was like, okay, so either something's, you know, about kind of 
continuously returning to the same city that your audience can grow but i can also see that there's a there's a financial loss there as well yeah yeah of course touring the states i mean we never come home with money touring the states we can be lucky if we don't lose money because the visas are extremely expensive to start with Mm -hmm. and then um you have the flights you know uh across half the globe and then um it's not part of hospitality to get hotel rooms you know so you have to rent rent your own hotels and you have to rent a backline you can't bring your own backline of course things like that so it, it really adds up oh i mean i can imagine though because you guys mm-hmm. yeah it, but obviously you continue to do it so there's there's a strong sense of passion and wanting to really yeah. get the music out to people no totally i mean we we do it for the band and for the fans you know um because we think it's important and i still love touring the states yeah and who doesn't want to hear that was the best show i've ever seen in my whole life <laughs> <laughs> that's a i mean it's a it's a good it's a good boost to your ego and not only that i mean because i'll be honest i mean the the lucifer show was hands down one of my favorite shows of the year you know because oh. it was you know i mean it was just such a fun show and it you know when it's a band that you really love but that you don't get to see anytime you want there's a special energy to it and you guys played with everything you had which is something i love to see in a band you know to like just leave it all out on stage oh thank you so much but it, i mean I, I think that any band has to look at it that way otherwise it's something wrong with them you know you have to play every show as it was your last or mm-hmm. you know the biggest or you, you can't I think that that's what we, you know, subconsciously, we don't even think about it. But of course, you want to give everything all the time. Yeah, I mean, we've played pretty big stages too, you know, and we play the with the same energy in front of eighteen people in Memphis. To yeah, there was no know, difference there. To like several thousand people at some festival, you know, uh, same thing. Well, that's what keeps the fans engaged, and that's also what keeps the fans in touch with your band and, and, and keeps them wanting more because, you know, I've seen bands come out on stage and literally complain to the audience, like, like you know, there oh, should be more people here, you know, and I, no, I don't know how I feel about that. Because it's not the fault of the people who actually came and paid for it. Yeah, they came. (laughs) Right. I know. It's like I I say the same thing. I'm like, well, I'm here and I paid fucking 20 bucks. Like, you know, give me a show, man. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, so I also have to say that the Lucifer 3 album is fucking fantastic. Uh, Like, it's a great album and it's so much. And dare I say that it's a fun album. Oh, good. Good, because we that's uh, one of the goals. <laughs> yeah, Satan wants everyone to have fun. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, you know, hey, Satan didn't bring the plague. You know, God did. So, you know, Satan wants us all to have fun. You know, it's how it's supposed to be. But, yeah. you know, in comparison to like Lucifer 1, where it was, you, you know, it was, it was pretty dark. One of the things I loved about 2 and 3 was that it still managed to explore kind of darker and at times kind of occult inspired undertones but i'd say like more in the vein of bands like you know black widow or 
you know, maybe even Shocking Blue, where, you know, there was that kind of vibe to it, but it was more of a melodic thing. Am, am I right? Am I correct in kind of hinting at that? Um, well, yeah. we, we love melodies and we love, um, I mean, the goal is to make catchy songs, whether or not we achieve that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's what we love in music that we listen to, you know, that you have melody and you have interesting verses and interesting choruses, you know. I think heavy gets heavier if there's a if there's like a counter thing like a good melody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's just my personal taste in music. I mean, if it if something is only heavy and slow, for example, mm-hmm. then I get bored after a while, um, and I don't want to get bored by our music. Yeah. Imagine a whole uh, album of slow and heavy. And also, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, some people love that, and that's yeah. totally fine, but that's just not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, and imagine if Black Sabbath only had songs like Black Sabbath. Right, right. I mean, how how many albums could you make? I mean, I grew, I mean, up, in, I, I grew up in the yeah, 80s, you know, so, you know, so I love I, that kind of melodic, you know, lots of cool hooks and a good strong chorus and you know and i'm also a lyrical person and some of the heaviest songs i've heard don't necessarily sound you know sludgy and heavy you know it's like you know some of the darkest songs i've heard you know and and maybe even some of the more you know thought-provoking songs tend to be the ones that are kind of you know you know rocking you know and have that good melody to it Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, me too. Well, so why why the shift from that kind of slower, like, or not really slower, but, you know, that vibe of the first album is obviously pretty, you know, distinct from two and even three. Did that have a lot to do with, uh, Nick, a., you getting involved with uh, Johanna in the process of writing and whatnot? I th- I think because uh, you've answered this a lot of times, so uh, I I kind of know uh, your standpoint here. So I think it's a mix between uh, that this is more like you wanted Lucifer to be to begin with, mm-hmm. and the fact that I'm trying <laughs> to write really heavy, uh, you know, and and slow, but it's I don't know this just not that much I can do <laughs> even if I wanted to I still have Beatles in there and I think maybe that I think it's a mix of all that What because you didn't want to make the same album again no anyway. no I wanted to expand and I want Lucifer to have a lot of diversity and depth because I uh, I listen to so much different music you know and I like so many different moods you know I love doom stuff but I love you know real rockers I love ballads you know and um, I love poppy melodies and I love heavy metal there's so many different kind of things um, that I would like to incorporate in, in Lucifer and I hope that with the um, with the number of albums that we already released and the future ones that there will be more and more diversity without losing your own identity, you know? Yeah, there's like, it's a loose framework, but it is a frame kind mm-hmm. of. No, that makes sense because, 
I feel like it, one of the things I do love so much about the um, the, the kind of gr- the the growth within Lucifer and the growth with each album is that you know like while Lucifer three is a little more similar to Lucifer two than it is Lucifer one, which each with each album there seems to. Th- like each album seems to grow off of the other one, you know, and to the point to where I feel like th- now I don't know what to expect anymore from Lucifer. You know, oh, hold on. Hey, hey Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne. Of course. I think he saw the neighbor outside playing basketball. <laughs> hold on. Hey, come on. I'm talking to Auntie Johanna and you know, Uncle Nicky. So, <laughs> you, you guys have inherited a nephew now. So, but um, but so like I said, like with each album, there was a growth, you know. And it, it, at this point, it's unpredictable. It, was that kind of the key for you, so that Lucifer fans can't predict always where you're going to go next? Well, that's fun as well, but it's um, actually not as thought out and calculated. I think um, it just kind of grows by itself, you know, and we just kind of follow our intuition. And follow follow the songs that we make mm. a little bit. Right. Because that was one of the things I noticed was that... Um, each song, you know, especially like on the on the newest album, there's a particular song that I really love, which is uh, Pacific Blue, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, lyrically, that one seems to kind of almost feel connected to California Sun. Is is, is there a similar concept or a similar, um, not really message, but uh, I'm yeah. trying to... Uh, message wise, yes, because both the songs are about my son who lives in California. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, imply that without hearing that, but that's kind of what I thought it was. And so, um, was that kind of an intentional uh, continuation off of California Sun, or was that just something that you no. were like, it just came natural? Yeah, that just kind of fell into place by itself. And that's the magic about making music, you know, things happen. And um, I like that, you know, when you just kind of, when you are the vessel to the gods of music or something i don't know stuff sometimes like you start something and then it turns into its own creature and you could not have foreseen that you know i like that too because i mean when i sit down and we've talked about a you know specific type of song that we want to write Mm -hmm. so i sit down with a guitar and i try but there's something completely different coming out and that wouldn't have come out if i didn't try to make it sound like whatever we talk about, you know? And right. then then it just kind of feels like, okay, I have to follow this. And, and uh, yeah. And I like that. It just happens. Well, so, Nikkei, you, you are pretty much the front man, the guitar player, songwriter for the helicopters. Is it kind of a nice transition for you to kind of go back to the drums instead of being out front as the singer and guitar player? Or is, is, is that kind of a hard thing to transition back and forth to? No, I embrace it 100%. I, <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily like to be a front man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that it's, I don't know. I, I think when we started with the helicopters, I didn't, I didn't know how to sing. So I've been teaching myself along the way. Mm-hmm. But it was because no one else 
could do it better. So then <laughs> I have to do it kind of thing. And then I grew into liking it. Right. But I also never liked being the front man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a necessity. So for me to play drums and Lucifer, I don't know. It's perfect. I love it. So does it also change the way that you approach the songwriting though too because obviously you know there's a distinct difference between the helicopters material and the lucifer material so when you're coming up with ideas do you ever have to kind of compartmentalize it and say like okay this sounds more like it's going to be a helicopter song or this sounds like it's going to be a lucifer song Mm, yeah i mean but then i usually hear within a second of whatever i do Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what I also you know when we started writing together Johanna and me I, I wondered how it was to not think about vocal melodies and lyrics and phrasings mm-hmm. and stuff but uh, that I taught myself quick I just stopped there you know mm-hmm. it's not my part uh, and I, now I think it's it's pretty easy because before we started working together, they just came to me simultaneously, the mm-hmm. music and the vocal melody and everything. So but I really like this because then again, it like it just happens by itself, not by itself, of course we work on it, but mm-hmm. I have no idea how it's gonna turn out after I give Johanna a sketch. Right, and it's always really exciting for me to wait. You know, I'm waiting to hear what comes out when we do this together. And, and no, I, I love it. It's awesome. And Johanna, I have to ask. So, you're now collaborating and performing in a band with your husband. So, is there is, is that kind of a hard thing to do? Sometimes I know some. I, I can only imagine how complex sometimes it could be to work on a level like that with your significant other or do you guys really embrace it a lot and just find some so, some peace in there the latter you know you'd think it's difficult but that really depends on the relationship and i guess i would not have married nika if i you know wouldn't have known at such such a special relationship so i can consider myself really lucky you know because we really enjoy doing this together and i think um it would be rather difficult the other way around if one of us was staying at home while the other one is going on tour mm-hmm. you know, i think that can maybe take a toll on a relationship more so in in our case so we really love sharing this and we love playing live together and we love writing together and um it's pretty amazing because since i moved to sweden two and a half years ago um we are never apart you know we do everything together and because we enjoy it so much i join nika when he goes out with the helicopters or you know with imperial state electric and so on uh, i join him because we just you know have a blast together and it's awesome because we don't have to like have long phone calls where we try to describe what the day has been like and it's been so (laughs) different from the other you know we just do it together and that's um 
I guess uh, for me, it's kind of like I have won the relationship lottery here, you know? <laughs> that, that's amazing because I feel the same way. Like, I, I love hanging out with my wife. Like, she's my favorite person to hang out with, even though she's not a musician. But, like, you know, when, when you do have that kind of a relationship with somebody, you know, doing that isn't necessarily a chore. Um, you know, I, I've got a good friend of mine who's uh, got a band called Electric Citizen, and her and uh, Laura and her husband Ross, you know, she's the singer and he's the guitar player. She said they kind of look at it like, oh, we're kind of going on vacation together, you know, and even though it's a lot of work, they enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, we enjoy it too. I wouldn't go as far as saying that it's a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's like a very poor vacation, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't think I could, like, I'm, I'm too old for that to, to be with somebody where it's like, you know, where it feels like a cramp to, or, or like hard work or something. Mm -hmm. Then I don't think... Um, it's a good relationship, you know. I think then I'd rather be alone, but um, no, this is great. I wanted to stay this way. <laughs> well, one of the things you've told me in the past, you know, when we've talked about it and you, I've seen you talk about it in other interviews, is, is being tagged with a genre. You know, like I remember you saying like how much you hated it when people called you referred to Lucifer a stoner rock or you know, <laughs> or just or whatever you know like I mean I've heard you guys called a little bit of everything like stoner rock you know psych rock hard rock occult rock is, is any of those that you you feel like you could attribute to your to the sound of Lucifer or do you just like to just blanket it and just say you know it's hard rock music that's what we say, yeah. I mean, that's my favorite. I would say Lucifer is a hard rock band or a heavy rock band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And everything else, I mean, I get it. You know, journalists and music fans need some sort of drawer or box that they want to put a band in. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I would never. Nah. And, and it's always, it's always been like that with the name tags for genres, I yeah. guess. And, uh, and I mean, I don't think there's many, are there actually many stoner rock bands uh, that call themselves that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really feel like it. And like, perhaps the most annoying term would be occult rock because that seems no, to stoner rock is more annoying yeah but occult rock <laughs> is annoying because uh, that seems like as soon as you have one or two guitars, bass, and drums, and you happen to sing about Satan, then it's a cult rock. It doesn't sound anything like the other band that's called a cult rock at all. Mm. And, and that that just seems no. The worst is female fronted. That's the oh, absolute okay. worst. Yeah, that uh, yeah. I don't even count that because that's so. Uh, that's that's retarded. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like I remember, I read an interview with you guys, and um, and Nick had made said some point about how I guess somebody had uh, referred to Lucifer as being fronted by the the blonde Johanna Sedonis, whereas like he. Was like nobody says you know Megadeth's front, but the redhead Dave Mustaine. You know, it's just like. But actually, just in his case, that would be. I've actually read that. Yeah, maybe, but yeah. but you get my yeah. point though. That's. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, but it's ridiculous to just kind of, like you said, like with the female-fronted, you know, female-fronted metal or female-fronted rock. Like, nobody calls it male-fronted rock, you know? So, it's like, why add that, out, you know, that as a description? Like, it's it's not descriptive of the kind of band you are. No, nothing no. at all. I mean, of course, yeah, men and women are different and, um, you know, that's all great and so on, but it shouldn't affect um, the uh, the music um, or what people think of the music. I just had to answer an email interview where somebody um, asked, you know, um, how I think Lucifer differs from the other female fronted bands and that made me, like, almost furious. Shouldn't it, like... I mean, first of all, if you want to be competitive, you know, why just, you know, why do you have to be gender? Um, why do you have to be in that gender concentration camp? You know right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, then they, they might as well just said what what uh, makes you stand out to every other band on the planet? That would be a be- better question. Absolutely, because, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll start referring to the helicopters and Imperial Electric as like, you know, Nick A fronted bands, you know, I don't know, like that would just be, (laughs) you know, like, I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I do agree. I mean, it's, you know, it should be a reflection of the music. And, uh, you know, another thing, like, I loved what you said about, you know, just because you sing about satan or some dark undertones or overtones sometimes that they want to pin you know occult you know rock on you though um and johanna we've we have talked about the kind of darker you know you know mystique and things that you know might be like of a personal belief and whatnot but not really comparing yourself to the occult but do you feel like that occult bands sometimes go I don't know, like they go overboard with the occult imagery, you know, like, do you think that it's like more like, do you think it's best in your opinion if, or that it's more effective with subtlety? Does that make sense? Um, Well, I think to each their own, you know, some people are very extremely serious about that. Um, For me, it was important, especially with the last two albums to show that it's not all doom and gloom, you know, there's Mm -hmm. also other parts in life to embrace you know and there's humor and there's also light you know as a contrast to all the darkness um so i think for for me with lucifer it is important uh, to um to not be so dead serious about everything you know right um, I mean, there's some seriousness in it, um, but not only, you know, there's also a lot of humor. What other people do, I mean, to each their own. I think it can maybe look a little bit, um, it could, if you, if you, if you do it too seriously, it could end up looking a little bit... Pretentious. Pre- yeah. I, I think. Mm. But at the same time, I do want to say that I love bands with an occult image. I've done that since I got into Venom. Well, same here. I love it. No, I love it too. But maybe it's not up to Lucifer to be the most hardcore occult band. I don't no. know. It just doesn't feel like that. But that, at the same time, I bands that have an occult leaning of course that intrigues me Mm -hmm. if it's something that seems I don't know if it just uh, I have no idea but you know if if it looks and sounds good to me then I do do like it 
because well, yeah, I can tell it's, 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 oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. easy to make the whole thing. Oh, sorry. No, I said it's easy to that that something can tip over to looking a little bit like a joke, you know, mm-hmm. and that. Yeah, I want to avoid. Yeah, because it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you still have to go buy toilet paper in the morning, and it doesn't matter how much corpse paint you have on. You know, it's, like, it's you know you you have to take a shit as well, and as everyone else, and go to sleep. And, you know, and wake up in the morning and have coffee. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's just for everyone. And also, the more serious. I mean, how serious can you take yourself? You just by looking at a guitar, it's a spinal tap move, m- moment. You right. know, in a band, it's being, it, you know, a little bit of spinal tap, which can be really fun, actually. Oh, I mean, I always tell people like, I saw Watain or Watain, how you know, like a few years ago, and I just remember thinking like, this is so over the top that it's almost funny, but like, it was yeah. one of the most entertain i mean to me it was like the equivalence of seeing kiss you know what i mean like it was so over the top and you know just the fire and the you know the just the the imagery and the backdrops and the corpse i was just like this is god i almost feel like they'd get mad if i was like this is a fun show you know what i mean (laughs) i I hear you (laughs) but i do love it you know it's um, i think uh, a lot of times there's bands that are good, but but you kind of miss a little bit of, you know, imagery sometimes. Because I think that's, I mean, I do get the idea when the ba- some bands think, oh, we're the same as the audience. Yeah, but you you also want to be entertained. Exactly. So, yeah. But then there's bands like your favorite band, Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know that still. <laughs> oh, you don't like ghosts? Not really. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Johanna's Johan been picking on me about that since we first talked. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just between us here, I love ghosts. Everything about ghosts except the music. <laughs> See, I love everything about Ghost except for the singing. Like, that's the one thing that really just, because I actually think the music is you know, somewhat you know, decent, but I do love the fact that kind of like what you were talking about, Nick, and, and also you, is that I love the imagery. I love the fact that there's so much work put into giving an entertaining performance, you know, yeah. like giving, giving an audience something, you know? Yeah. Well, so I only let's see. I only have a few more topics to talk uh, touch on, but uh, one of the things again, Johanna, we did talk about this the last time you were here, and that was people with their fucking cell phones at shows. <laughs> oh. Let me tell you, first off, as an audience member, there's no, now like I'll be honest, like I will whip out my camera, my phone every now and then to take a few pictures, you know, mainly just to go up on my website or you know, you know, to go yeah, with cool. an editorial piece, but. I stood behind somebody at the show here in Atlanta that um, had their phone out the entire fucking show. And I was just like, you're missing the whole thing, you know? (laughs) So, like, that really kind of pisses you off. And I'm curious to kind of hear a little more about that. I just just don't get it. Because if I go to a show, why do you want to hold your hand up if you're not fist banging or clapping your hands, you know? Right. Um, yeah, what I want to say about this is, you know, when I go to a show and I'm a fangirl, you know, I love live shows and I take, 
you know, some clips here and there and some photos, but certainly not the entire time. And I've had it uh, at Lucifer shows that um, uh, more so lately, um, it's more and more of a problem that people hold up their phones the whole time. And some people actually have their fucking flash on and they film with flash or they take pictures with flash. And the thing is that that is extremely distracting. It throws you off. You know, it takes you out of the mood that you're in as a musician on stage. And the flash is horrible. It's horrible, you know. And um, I've actually, you know, said stuff to people, you know, can you, like in between songs, can you please turn your flash off at least, you know. And people don't get it, you know. They do it over and over again. It's it's extremely annoying. Yeah, I mean, there's the sense of like, I, I guess like an audience sometimes feels like, you know, you know, we're supporting you, so we deserve to, you know, to do this and whatever. And people also don't realize that not only is it distracting to you, but it's also affecting the quality of performance that you're going to be able to give to people like me who actually are there to see the band and see a good show. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to bring touch on before we close out is that, uh, Nikki, I know that you're a huge Kiss fan, and Johanna, I know you are too, and you guys actually when uh you were on tour you guys were doing a cover of the paul stanley song take me away and another thing i loved is i've noticed kind of a kiss influence especially in the writing uh, in the performance of the last album would you say that that's a fair thing to acknowledge probably it's not intentional but it's probably it's so it's so deep mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that's the first band I heard I basically taught myself how to write songs because of that right and so I mean it, it's not intentional at all but if it seeps through here and there I'm not surprised I don't think you can help it probably not but I I liked I mean you know 70s Kiss when they you know the moments when they were good i I mean, I'm trying to be objective as possible here, but I, which is not easy for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think when they were good, and that was, you know, not all the time, but when they were, it was just really good basic rock and roll. That mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and that being the first thing that got me hooked into music, uh, of course, that's gonna leave traces. <laughs> And, uh, but I, I don't think that's a negative thing. But it's not intentional at all. I think it's an awesome thing. I mean, well, it could be worse. I could have grown up with Skid Row. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that to him because Why? he had a falling out with Sebastian. Oh, you Pat. told me that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. No offense. <laughs> oh no! Please, please be on my side. I'd rather have you guys on my side than anybody. Else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so what? Why? Okay, now I'm curious. Okay. Oh, oh, I like how the tables have been turned. Now, now I'm being asked a question. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what happened? So you know, so I grew up. You know, like I said, I grew up in the '80s, and I love a lot of the '80s hard rock and metal bands. You know, and Skid Row was one of my favorite bands. You know, like this, you know the first album, The Slave to the Grind. Like, I just love those records, and so Sebastian Bach was playing here in Atlanta. And 
I was like, oh, you know what? I would love to see him play live and I'd love to cover that show. So I reached out to his PR people and said, you know, I would love to cover the show, you know, for my website. I think it'd be, you know, great to see him live and see what he's doing solo. And they were like, sure, go ahead. And so I went to the show and it was one of the worst shows I have ever bent <laughs> i mean he was like his voice was completely shot it was like did not sound good you know like just didn't have the the energy or like the punch that he had in his younger years and you know it was just such a disappointing so i wrote a review about it and basically it was just like it was not a great show and johanna as you know i i i, I tend to be a little cheeky and you know quirky with some of my you know because it's you know again it's entertainment that's what i do i run a blog to entertain my readers and i guess sebastian bach saw my review and he started hounding me on facebook and telling me he was gonna kick my ass and i was like okay i can do this all day long so i just kind of started you know for fun just kind of batting it back and forth with him and figured it would last you know a minute you, you put gasoline on the fire a little yeah, bit there it lasted <laughs> it lasted for like a whole day and, <laughs> and there was there was on blabbermouth there was a headline that says um sebastian bach tells reader to go fuck himself after reading negative <laughs> review and i was like this is absolutely incredible for me i love this <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, it's awesome for you yeah not so good for sebastian though no but it was just really interesting because you know i remember johanna jokingly saying when i told her i said i was gonna be doing a review of the show here and she was like oh no <laughs> You know, and I was like, no, trust me, it was a great show, I promise, you know, but you know, th- there, there is something about, you know, and kind of like what you were saying, Nick, about being objective and being a fan. As a fan of music and as a fan of some of my favorite bands, like I kind of do feel that it, there's a responsibility to, to be honest and to be true and to say, you know, this band did a song or something or did, did a specific album that I didn't love. You know, my favorite band is Iron Maiden, and I can point out numerous things I feel like Iron Maiden did wrong or that I didn't oh, so like. So you're not like the Niflheim brothers from Sweden here. Do you know about them? No. Who is that? They think the best album is whatever it came out in the 90s with the other singer. What's his name? Blaze uh, Bailey. Yeah, that that's the best album because it's the longest Iron Maiden album. <laughs> <laughs> let, let they me... are so die hard. So you, to them, you can't say anything bad about Iron Maiden. Let me Everything just... they do is great. No, let me just say that those two CDs made great coasters for me. You know, yep. like no, I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so to me, being a real fan of a band means that you should be able to be critical and. And to be honest with the whole Sebastian Bach thing, that was kind of a disappointment for me because even though I was snarky and kind of goofy, like I was being very honest and saying, you know, that there was a time where I was a huge fan of this guy and I thought he was one of the best singers around and I was disappointed. And, you know, I'd rather, you know, being a musician myself, I would rather somebody say, dude, your band sucks than to say, oh, I really like your band. And then for them to walk away and go, God, that band sucks. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Well, well, at least it's honest, I guess. Yeah. So. But then again, I prefer if I really want to know, I prefer myself asking before I hear it. 
Oh, like what do you mean? No, I mean if somebody comes up to me and out of the blue says I suck, maybe that doesn't really help. Um, Unless you ask for it, you that, like, that's how, what I mean. how was I? Yeah. Did I suck? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want honesty, but sometimes, because you do get that sometimes, maybe more so in Europe, again, going back to that. But, you know, sometimes there's also a little bit of social antennas, you know. And also, I don't read all the reviews uh -huh. uh, because sometimes I don't feel like reading a shitty review. And then... You know, I'm better not better off not knowing. What shit reviews? I don't know. I don't read them. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I couldn't imagine that you got any. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. But, I uh, mean, you know, as a musician myself, like, like I actually like it because to me, I. I I like the subjectiveness and the honesty of it. You know, I had somebody that wrote a review about me one time that said uh, he'd rather he'd rather eat a box of thumbtacks than listen to me sing. And so I, ma I mailed him a box of thumbtacks and said, thanks for the review. <laughs> you know? like, well, that is really funny. And he, he actually messaged me back and said. That was pretty fucking cool. I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, you didn't hurt my feelings, man. I asked for, you know, I, I, you know the minute you put music out, I'm like, you know, it, it doesn't really just belong to me anymore, you know? So, like. No, that's true. I mean, I, you can't do music and expect everyone to like it. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, you put a huge target on your ass if you, <laughs> yeah. if you put yourself out there. You really do, because you know, it's kind of like I said, you know, when you put yourself out there, it kind of doesn't belong to you, even though it's still yours. It's like you're, you're kind of putting it out there uh, for you know, debate from people like, totally. you know, maybe people like this, maybe people won't, you know, but at the same time, you know, you don't make pe music for people that don't like you. You know, it's like, okay, so maybe this person doesn't like me, but, you know, 30 people really like my band. So they're going to get my attention, not the one guy who didn't like me, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like with Sebastian Bach. I was like, I was like, why did you care what some shitty blogger in Atlanta who like, you know, <laughs> works out of his basement had to say, you know, <laughs> like when you had a, you had a full house that night of people that thought you were great, you know, like, why did you care what I had to say? I'm nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? The part I don't understand. It's like, cause if I would have read a review like that, I'd be like, well, I would think to myself, fuck, was I that bad? You know? <laughs> But, and then I would probably be like, yeah, fuck that asshole. But I probably wouldn't, you know, start having a communication with you. No, that you don't do that. But the thing is, you know, um, let's say you get a hundred praises, mm -hmm. but the one shitty comment is the one that will stick with you. Mm -hmm. You know, that sticks out. And I think when um, a lot of artists are very sensitive people, you mm -hmm. know, I honestly, I mean... I take it too hard too when there's something negative, but I think it's not such a good idea to answer something like that no. directly. That's that's uh, retarded. But uh, uh, Johanna, you know me. I don't even get happy for the good reviews because <laughs> I think in the good reviews it's probably like a thing here and there that they got wrong. So then I'm you know annoyed <laughs> by that. <laughs> like, yeah, even that you could get like. 
full points or whatever but then they uh, then they compare you to a band that you think that i shit. that i don't like and then about like, oh, a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny i actually remember reading a review i wish i could remember what band it was but some some other writer had written a review like a concert review about some band and the, the one of the members of the band replied like to a social media page said you know thanks for the review that you guys that you gave us but um i'm sorry you didn't like the show but I'm sorry that you also listed songs that we didn't play that night. Oh, that has happened. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen like, that a couple of times. Yeah, I've seen that too. <laughs> like, how, how, how long were you actually there? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, did you show up for like three songs and then get the set list off of, you know, set list FM and, you know, yeah. and try to do a review of that? <laughs> I think that happens a lot, actually. <laughs> oh, it totally does. Well, well, I guess to close out with you guys, well, uh, first off, this was great talking to you, Nick. Hey, I really enjoyed talking to you. I wish I would have got a chance to really talk to you in Atlanta. So you guys have to come back now and so we can, you know, actually talk. Well, Atlanta is Lucifer's most frequented um, American city. Because you've been there three times. Yes, the <laughs> only city I played three times in the States is Atlanta. Yeah. yeah, and I saw two of the three, so I've got a good batting average so far, you know, so. Oh, um, you saw, oh yeah, you saw two of the three, that's right, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. and uh, well, so what are your plans for the rest of the year? I mean, knowing that, like I said, with the whole, you know, COVID-19 thing, you know, we're all trying to stay in and, yeah, stay well and healthy. Like, so, uh, what are you kind of planning to do? Like, uh, we're writing Lucifer um, four, five, six, and seven. <laughs> so by the time this whole Corona thing blows over, we'll have three or four albums ready. That's gonna be great. You could just put out a box set. And then we're gonna tour the states, but we're only gonna play Atlanta and Memphis. <laughs> Fuck well, Las Vegas. You're going to do two weeks in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> do, do a two week residency in Memphis yeah. and then, you know, yeah, to 32 people. And then you can come and then you guys can come stay in my basement here in Atlanta. And then we can have like a like a backyard party and we can just set you guys up on the deck. And you guys can play. No, we're going to take over your show. Hey, you know, oh, absolutely. Please do. Just come on over and hang. <laughs> you know? No, I, I actually don't know. I mean, nobody knows how, how the future looks right now. We just kind of have to take it day by day. Yeah, mm -hmm. we, we played by ear right now. Um, I don't think we will go out and play until, I mean, hopefully the summer festivals are still happening in Europe. Uh, and then we will come out um, for fall. But it's going to be Europe mostly. So we will be back in the States if everything goes well and the world is not uh, collapsing. We'll be back next year. Well, I am so looking forward to it. And again, thank you guys so much for putting out some of my favorite music and you know, for making just you know, some great oh, music and putting on great shows and being wonderful people. And I enjoy I really appreciate having you guys here and, you know, just being a part of my life. So it's uh, really great to talk to you guys and catch up. Well, likewise, thank you so much for having us over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's always a pleasure talking to you, Don. 